All right. When we make our way to back to our seats, I know it's a holiday schedule, a lot of people on the road. How's everyone doing today? Has everyone had a great Christmas? Yeah, yeah baby. All righty. Before I get started, I want to do a couple of int- introductions. We have Pastor Julio and Silva Cerrone yeah. here with us from Monterey. He's our pastor in Monterey, Mexico. And where's Brent Fox? Is Brent here? Brent was in an uh, accident this this last weekend, and he a little scarred up, but he's awesome. He's doing good. So when you see him, shake his hand. I know he's glad he's here. Um, we know he happened on Christmas. I think it was Christmas Eve. He got he got in a wreck. So it's been a little dangerous this last week. But I'm glad to see everyone here today. We're going to finish up our um, series called "Be Here Now," and we're going to do a post Christmas message today. Because we know that a lot of things are taking place. How many know Christmas is over? You're about ready to take down your tree. And now you have a long list of what you're going to do in 2015. How many got that long list started? How many are afraid to even start the list? How many are really disappointed in 2014 stuff you didn't get done? Everyone's perfect. So we don't need a message today. <laughs> they don't know. Yeah, they're, just being, they're being churchy. They have it all together. But what I wanted to do today, when, when I talk about be here now, I know in our tendency after the holidays and we got a brand new cup year coming in, everyone's excited, and everyone says this all the time, I can't wait for this year to be over. We said that in 2013, 12, 10, 11, and 10. And we want something new. And we have this long list of uh, what we call New Year's resolutions. And at the same time, you remember from 2014 or the year before, what you didn't get done, so you carry it over to the list. And I wrote something down to go with this message. What I want to do that, remember I kept telling you, be here now when you do that one thing, one good decision, we'll go ahead and take care of all the little decisions. And what I wanted to share with you is what this is what Pastor Rich wants to do in 2015 and beyond. And this is my own little quote. I want to be a spirit-empowered Christian and not a spirit-impoverished Christian. I want to be spirit-empowered, not spirit-impoverished. How many love the E-gauge on your gas tank? How many think that means enough? <laughs> Well, I was reading about the other day, and I'm talking about being impoverished. When you drive with your tank on E, what happens is two things happen. You have sentiment that settles on the, on the bottom of your tank that can come up, and since you have no new fuel injectors, get clogged up. Or the second thing is you have electronic fuel pump that the fuel in your car is actually makes it cool cooler. So when it's gone, your pump will overheat and fail on you, which can cost you $1,000. And I notice whenever I'm spirit impoverished, that sentiment rises up and clogs me up. And I'm really spending more time on maintenance than I am trying to get down the road on movement and mileage. Sentiment I'm, I get offended easy. Big, I mean, little problems become big. And what happens is if we 
do not encounter the spirit in such a uh, daily, daily thing, we wind up becoming Christians of maintenance versus Christians of movement. And we try to do a lot of things when we're impoverished to make things up for our lack. And really, in today's world, the Holy Spirit has gotten a bad name. So, and the devil does that on purpose because he knows that's the only thing that can empower us to do the greatest things that God wants us to do. So he causes division in what we call in the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking in tongues and all those things. But really, and we look at it two ways. Sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is for the fascinating things and the midst all the things that are big. And really he's called to come alongside and be with us on a daily, daily basis. So when I talk about a gas tank, if you're walking impoverished or on empty all the time, you'll spend, when we talk about this next year, going out and touching our neighborhood, you want to spend a lot of time in the garage on your maintenance versus on the movement of the church. And you'll try to do great things, but really what we need every day is him. In Psalms 105.4, David said it perfectly. Seek the Lord in his strength and seek his presence continually every single day. Where we live today and how how life is going today, the church is going to need the Holy Spirit even more just to stay on track, but to do great things that God has called us. The scripture I want to use is John chapter 16, verses 7 through 5. And this is Jesus taking, about to leave, and he's leaving final instructions for, his, for the disciples. And they weren't too happy about it because they envisioned him being with them until the end. But he was only on a three-year mission, and he was giving them from only from chapter 13 all the way to 17, he was giving them final instructions in 13, he taught you how to serve. In 14, he introduced the Holy Spirit coming on. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You're not going to be by yourself. In 15, he talks about how you abide in him in a greater way. In 16, he reiterates the point of the Holy Spirit because he knew they weren't getting it, so he's reteaching it. When you read chapter 16, you read chapter 14, you say, this kind of could have been one whole chapter. But no, I believe Jesus was going back and just letting the guys know that someone's coming to help you because times are going to get tough. In those days, the way times are today, times were just as tough for them that day because Jesus spent in 14 and 15 talking about how they hated you. They're gonna, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And people are not going to be happy that you're a believer. And people are going to come against your faith. How did Jesus know that's 2014? Because the Bible is timeless. So starting in verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send to you, send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Circle that. That's a past tense. 
I will still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. There's three things when you read this, because I'm talking about today when life seems overwhelming. When life seems overwhelming, when you have to make so many, you're trying to make so many decisions coming up in 2015, and all you need is that one thing. I kept telling you about trying to close the year out that will take care of every decision you want to make. Three things you'll see here that Jesus, and I got out of this passage. First one, for us, we have to acknowledge his presence. And, you know, we have to accept his leadership is the second one. And the third one is we have to make sure we act on what he says. So Jesus was saying, acknowledging his presence. He's setting it up for them. Guys, I'm not going to be here beside you anymore. But I'm going to send the one who's going to be inside you from now on. Isn't it better to have Jesus inside of us versus beside us? And that's what he was telling him. The helper. I'm gonna, the first one, acknowledge his presence. I'm the helper. And the Greek means the paraclete. One called alongside and it says, when you look in your, some of your versions of the Bible, it has counselor. But it really means, in the, in the Greek word, that Greek means legal counselor. An advocate on your side, fighting on your behalf, fighting with you when you're going through battles. You're not alone. But he's inside of you, but the problem, we got to make sure that we really acknowledge his presence because we can go day by day and never acknowledge his presence that's inside of us. And you wonder how you got from day to day? It's because he's inside of you. You never acknowledge it. He says, I will send him to you. Church, he sent him to us. Now, I wrote this down. The spirit is not a believer's auxiliary. Now, back in the day before you had digital and I think we have some of that in the back. We have components, stereo components. How many guys remember stereos? And you put all the important things in the jacks in the back. See, I lost half of you already. Yeah. And whenever you had an extra piece, you would have put it in the auxiliary plug. Well, sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit in the auxiliary plug. We try every other component, and he's the last one that we pull up. Versus he should be the first plug, the most. He's really the plug that you plug into the wall, the power source. But we treat him as, well, I tried everything else. I guess I'll try God now. Come on, somebody. And Jesus was talking from 14 to 16. He really told them it's a gift that God has given each and every one of us. How many opened your gifts for Christmas? How many enjoyed your gifts for Christmas? I enjoyed mine. I really love them. I got more clothes. (laughs) And I can tell the colors now because we labeled them. (laughs) 
promised five times from 14 to 16. But when you read that, I'm going to send him to you. It says the Holy Spirit is going to do certain things. It says he's going to convict the world of sin. That word convict in the Greek means convince the world. In fact, when you look at it, he's going to prove that the world is wrong about sin. Because you know the root of sin is unbelief. How many believe? That's what it is. Root of sin is unbelief. And then righteousness, and he talks about judgment. Now, we love when we look at that scripture, it's for the world. But no, with the Holy Spirit inside me, he convicts me on a daily basis. Especially about sin. What I call Westless light. But he uses that to keep me aligned with him. And righteousness. Did I have to remember when things get tough, though I might not respond correctly to him, I'm still righteous in his eyes. He died on the cross for me. Because you kind of forget. You think you've done something wrong to cause the pain. You didn't. Righteous. Now, judgment's interesting. A few months ago, I talked about judgment, and people got a little upset. And I was like, why'd you get upset? Because the Holy Spirit does the convicting. How many believe that? All I have to be is full of him and impart him, and he'll do the convicting. I don't have to say much. Because if you look at it in John chapter 3, verse 17, it says those who accept Christ are not condemned. But check it out. On verse 17 at the end, it says those who don't accept is already what? Condemned. It's already been the, the ruler of this earth has, I mean, of this earth has been judged. When Jesus went on the cross, the world, the, he wasn't being judged as the world would see. The, um, Satan was being judged. People who don't believe were being judged. And what happens with people, which I realize today's world, people seem to get upset when we talk about Jesus. And because God left us something that's very beautiful, the conscience. And whenever you say something about Jesus to unbelievers, they're saying, don't pressure, don't, don't you pressure religion on me. We didn't say anything but his name. But what happens is his conscience. Their conscience is messing with them. How many had a bad, you know, when you, you know, before you knew Christ and you were just doing stuff and you didn't feel right about it, you know what was right and wrong. Your conscience beat you up, didn't it? Just beat you all up. And that's what happens to people. The atheists seem like the almost happiest people on the planet. Now, if you don't believe, why would you care? So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, does just great work in the world, but he does even greater work in me. On a daily, without him, I'm a mess. And every day I get up, I have to acknowledge his presence. Remember, we talked about Christmas is really about God's presence. Well, for us, Christmas is every day. We have to acknowledge his presence every single day. And when I open myself up to his presence, he opens me up to my sickness. And it's a daily, see, you don't have to really tell anybody they're off. They already know it. Because when they see you living a certain way, they're like, can't get close to you. You know, some of us said this before we came into a church. If I come in, the ceiling's going to fall down. Why would you say that? 
because the Imago day, and you know what's right and wrong, is beating you up. Your conscience beats you up. But when I'm talking about making the right decision, this is the first one. I can't acknowledge, this is a step. I can't acknowledge his presence every day. And guys, when I do that, the next thing is I got to really accept his leading. He said he'll lead you into all truth. John Calvin said this, all truth means scriptures opened and examined with divine guidance. Now, prior to the Holy Spirit, guys, when I used to read the Bible, I had no idea what they're talking about. Even in the New Living Translation, that looks good. What are they talking about? Then the Holy Spirit, who we kind of pushing for the big things, who she wants to be in us, and we need to acknowledge him in everything, starts opening the Bible up to me about what it meant. I mean, I just read this scripture. I'm teaching you seven, eight times. Then he gave me this about, yeah, I was telling, you know, he convict the world, convict the world. He says, no, champ, it's about you too. Make that decision, man, to live right. And then when you live right, people are going to see you live right. You're going to be so attractional. Just me. Because I want to be spirit-empowered. When I'm impoverished, I'm living in the flesh. And we do well. Living, we think we do well living in the flesh. And all of a sudden, you don't really like people. You ever notice that? You don't want to be bothered? Anybody human out there? Rather take a few weeks off away from people because ministry is about people. Then we tell you to get in life groups and you hate people. Oh, that's okay. That's next season. (laughs) Open examine with divine guidance. Who's the divine guidance? The Holy Spirit. Psalms 25, 9 says this. He leads the humble in what's right and teaches the humble his way. You know what the, the secret of leading, letting the Holy Spirit lead us? Being humble. Pride will not let you go there. You have to be humbled. A humble soul will follow. Romans 8, 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. All who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. When he's leading you, it's amazing what changes in your life. When you ask for a decision, he's leading you, that one decision you make, he already knows what's going on. But I'm telling you about a daily decision we need to make. Because times are getting a little crazy, and the church is getting pressed. Not in a bad way, but a good way. Can I give you an example? I'm going to give you a, a, a day example today. With the killings that took place, or people dying, let me put it that way. There's signs and shirts that says, Black Lives Matter. Then there's another sign that says, police lives matter because some of my New York cops got taken out. And I see some folks 
stand on the, in the church. Black lives matter. So they're really telling everyone else, your life doesn't matter. If you stand on that, but if you don't stand on police lives matter, you're one-sided. Because if you just stand on black lives matter and not the police side matters, there's division. So if you're going to say police lives matter, you got to say black lives matter. But here's the thing. As a Christian, there's no side. Because in God's eyes, all lives matter. Because we know Hispanic and I got my Asian brothers. All lives matter. See? And what happens is if I'm not in the spirit of God every day, I start getting caught up in culture that's slow you because of where well, my background and I get caught up in my decision-making process or I'm political and I might offend about 100 people because it's one, my side of it and there's no such thing as my side. It's only Christ's side. So all lives matter. Now it's subtle because it comes into you or someone sends you a message on Twitter and if you agree with it, and you're in our church, there are people who are different um, persuasion, and you can say, oh, that's what you think? We don't matter? See how that works? Every day, every decision we make, guys, is a spiritual decision. Every decision we make is a spiritual decision. And then disciples in that time were still dealing with the same thing. Because they did not like this, this, this uh, Samaritans. Which takes it to number three. And I hope you take this home and really get with God. Because you don't want to spend your time outside the spirit of God in maintenance mode. Yeah, we're a hospital, but we're really a clinic. We patch you up and we send you back out for people who got bigger cuts than you do. You're healed in Jesus' name. They don't know Jesus. They're doomed and gone. As we read in Ephesians, they're not only dead, they're doomed. And the only one that can take death to life is is, uh, Jesus Christ and his church. So the third thing is act on his word. Now, this is the first time you see that Jesus starts talking prophetically because you can read that part of it. He says, I will, he will declare. The Father will declare to Christ. Christ will, and the Holy Spirit will declare to us. It's amazing. He's, and he says, I will declare things to you and I will declare you things to come. And people, you can cross-reference that to the Paul's language in 1 Corinthians because we're talking about the prophetic and forth-telling. And you say, how does the whole, he can tell you those things. He will declare. It's called this, write this down, revelation. We are able to be the greatest leaders on the planet because we have revelation from God. He gives us wisdom, not just for the day. He gives us wisdom for tomorrow. Sometimes we're waiting for the big things, but he'll tell you something that you have to respond on the next day the day before, or he'll help you share with someone else. How would that come from? Every time I seem like I'm, well, I'm really not seem like I'm on empty, I get two or three prophetic words from guys who don't live here. 
And I always tell them that. Great timing. How did you, and I always make this joke. How did you know? They don't respond. God told them. Because they said, you won't call us. So God had, you know, how do they know? Because they walk with God on a daily basis. Revelation. Now, let me give you about how creepy this gets sometimes. Now, call it creepy. Because we took this thing and we took it way out of balance. Because really, the revelation from God will never contradict his word or deflect his glory. Because I'll tell you things to come from the Father, and he will glorify me. So everything you receive is going to have to or do is going to have to glorify God. If it isn't glorifying God, and it's not really, and it's not, and it's reflecting his glory, sorry, deflecting his glory, it is throw it out. Throw it. You know what it is? It's a euism. New word. I put it in the dictionary. Because we make the greatest trinity me, myself, and I. And my scripture. I'll take a scripture and turn it into me, myself, and I. God said, I can have a new car, and someone come over and agree with me. Yeah, the Lord said you're going to go in debt. There's an old saying by Jesse Duplantis. talks about faith. Faith begins when the word of God, when the will of God is known. Faith begins when the will of God is known. So whenever you have faith and you step and you see God gives you a, a revelation, make sure it's in his word and make sure it's in his will. And that will help us live every single day. Because me, myself, and I, I like to be comfortable. And you could take the Bible, the law sums, it didn't say that. Now, here's the greatest thing about these parts of him when he says this, the Holy Spirit. He will reveal things that Jesus has said because he was trying to get them ready for the resurrection those days. And then he'll reveal things to you that Jesus is going to say. That's amazing. And guess what? He lives in each, in each and every one of us. Guys, it doesn't have to have a warm fuzzy on a Sunday morning within an hour and 15 minutes. It's an everyday thing. And the reason why I'm giving you this message prophetically is we're going to need him in these days to do what we call us to do. And we cannot be afraid of him because he's a person. But we don't put him in a box of the spectacular. We put him in our, we realize he's in us that we can walk through this life on be a light and live right. And that in everything you do, everything we do. Now, God works a little different then we our timeline how many believe that you, we want things now don't we 
So if we don't get them now, we pout. And I don't get them now. I told you last week, I just, I won't read the Bible because I want it now. Till he gives me what I want, I'm not doing anything. He says, well, you hurting you? You hurting me or hurting you? I got time. But to act on his word. Now, write this down. It's not new revelation. It's fuller revelation. Fuller. The Bible unpacks itself. It's full of, it's timeless. But you got to get in here and you got to read it. And it's going to bring new things to you. Not new. Now, it might be new to you, but he's giving you the full counsel of God. Yeah, I'll tell you, there was an example in, John, in uh, Acts chapter 10. I was telling you about Peter. Remember Peter, the one who denied Jesus? Remember him who ran off, cursed him, got lost, came back, became the greatest leader of the church? One thing he realized, he listened to the Holy Spirit. And he's in Acts chapter 10, when the Spirit of God was breaking out all through the Jerusalem area, and everyone was having a party. And they thought that the Gentiles, which is us, were dirty. So they don't deserve the gospel. They don't deserve the Holy Spirit or the good news. And he, he has a dream about eating. Those are the best type of dreams, man. Especially that dream. He said, you can eat all, you can eat the pig. You can, oh, can you really? Anyway, sorry, digressing. And next thing you know, three guys come his way for a Gentile named Cornelius, who also, Cornelius, the Holy Spirit told, this is a guy you need to send three guys to go get. Isn't that amazing how he works in all different areas? And he's not beside us, he's inside of us. So the same time he's talking to me, he's talking to Pastor Julio. You know, he's not, hey, when you get off the line, Julio, I need to get a, you know what I mean? He's not doing that. And Peter shows and says, they're not clean. He says, don't you ever call, don't you ever call who I call clean unclean. He's like, I thought this gospel was just for us. I thought it was just, and he goes, and before he can finish speaking, the Holy Spirit fell in that place. And Cornelius' his whole family got saved. Now, what did he do? He acted on the word even in his own prejudices. So let me tell you about the Holy Spirit, guys. When he speaks to you and it's not in your comfort zone, that's him. You want not to hear from God? It's against what you would actually do? That's him. You go to the church and no one claps like you do? That's him. Act on his word. The decisions he's going to tell you this for 2015, that one decision. Don't worry about going to the gym. Because I'm not going to sign for the gym in January and then quit in February. <laughs> they tell me all the time when I go out there. Now, if you go to the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you the gym, and he'll actually help you stick it out if that's what he wants you to do. Now, God didn't call me to lift weights. He just told me to walk. Because that's all I'm going to do is walk. I haven't done that, but they bought me enough gym stuff. I'm going to start walking. My wife is done. They bought me a band. I'm going to start exercising again. <laughs> I heard from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> nice clothes, too. Best dress love walk you ever seen in my life. Now, the Spirit told me. No, nah, I did. Two sizes small. I'm already shrinking, I know. That's what happens when you get my age. 
I don't have to worry about keeping it on anymore. It just falls off. Anyway, how did I get there? It went against his whole, it expanded, you guys are laughing too much. It expanded his paradigm. Holy Spirit's going to expand your paradigm. And you'll think, I got to do these little things. He says, do this one thing I'm going to do, and I will show you the right schedule. I will show you what your marriage is going to look like if you stick it out. I will show you that, and you'll have the faith to know that your kids are going to come back when they go out. But the hardest thing is to stay there and listen to him. And don't look at what you see. Only think about what you hear. And he's going to teach you some things, like patience. How many have trouble with patience? He loves teaching you that. In fact, don't pray for that. Because we'll, be we'll be praying for you later. Because the Spirit will instruct, defend, empower, and guide the believer in the world. He instructs us. He defends us. He empowers us. And he guides us in the world. Now, here's what the step you got to do. Everything I told you, here's a step. It's a command. It's not even, oh, I, I, I want to do this. I don't want to do this. It says, James 4, 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sin, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Talking about a command. It's about seven of them of you go to James. It's a command that we are to draw near to, to God. Know why he commanded it? Because he knew we would not have a good idea to do it. And there's a promise on the other end. As you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Now, a lot of us stop right there. But the process is the reason why I'm drawing near to him, so I know how to repent on a daily basis. Because it takes repentance, because I'm thinking I'm all that. I really am. And double-minded is he keeps my faith. Not having my mind on the world's things, I'm not letting the newspaper give, I'm not letting the TV give me my worldview. I'm only letting God give me my worldview. I told I, someone, do you like to go to gym? I said, I like to go to gym if it's just to work out. But people go to gym just to just look in the mirror. Come on, really. Gravity wins. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I don't want to bust your bubble, but whatever you put up is going to fall out. So, <laughs> to be double minded. But 2015 and beyond, guys, that's what I want to do. See, God enriches with his presence those who, he comm- who pursue his presence. So, we pursue it as Jesus pursued us, God pursued us. And we talked about him coming as a baby. He didn't stay a baby. Became a grown man. Then three years, he was, lift, he was killed and he was lifted up. And he says, it's good for me to go. And the Holy Spirit that we constantly ignore because things get busy or life happens. You know, if you come in my office and you tell me I'm having all these issues, the first thing we usually tell you, how's your time in the Word? <laughs> we can tell. Because he doesn't want you just to come to him when things trouble. He wants you to come even when you're happy. In fact, more so you'd be ready for when the trouble comes. 
Make sense? What is that? How do you do that? You draw near to God? How about daily Bible reading? How about prayer? Here's a good one, private worship. And you have public worship. We do great here on Sundays. But private worship is, I'm telling you, you can scream and shout and spit and no one's looking at you. Now, don't spit. If you spit peace, we have to lay hands on you. And here's a big one. How about fellowship with believers? Get encouraged with other believers. We don't like that, but we need one another. Here, I found out my, I found out um, some things in my life that drains me. Negative people drain me. They do. Because I'm an optimist. It's all over my tests and everything. Negative people. Now, I tell them in the business world, if you got, if you got an issue, you better have three. Let's talk about the solutions. But if I got to hear you all day complaining, I, you're killing me. I mean, I'm, that's the way I'm made up. I just, bad news, I, don't, I mean, I can't do that. And God showed me this year, you got to find some encouragers in your life that I can, when we get together, we're sharpening one another. We're building each other's faith. And that's what it is, building faith for the day. And you'll be here now because, guys, if I'm not in the, with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, I will not be with you on a daily basis. I won't pray. I won't do anything. How many with me with that? Have some tough seasons that you got, you're walking through. But I think that's a season that God calls us to do. And what I learned, I'm learning Every time I feel that either God's somewhere else, and most of the time is I'm in that position, he's nowhere else, I'm learning that worship brings me back. Don't need another word sometimes. I just need to worship God. And his presence is what? Fullness of what? And direction. And then you remember, I have life forevermore. And my perspective has changed. But I can do that on a Monday morning, on a Tuesday morning. So I asked God, 2015, what do you want me to do? Because I feel overwhelmed trying all the things I got to get done. He says, I want you to be a spirit-empowered Christian, not a spirit-impoverished Christian. Want you to be in mode, be able to move forward, not be in maintenance mode all the time. I want you, yeah, he said, I want you, here it is, the one thing, I want you to acknowledge my presence. Acknowledge me on a daily basis. I want you to accept my leading. I know exactly where I'm going. And the third one, when I tell you to do something, guy, do it. That's how God speaks to me. Let's stand. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. When you draw near to him, whatever issues that you have, whatever battles you've been battling for the last year or two years, as I'm gonna, at the end, I'm going to read you a poem. Give it to him. Because here's the, I learned, I can't fix it. Bless you. I can't fix it. 
Pastor Julio can't fix it. Randy cannot fix it. He's from Houston, our pastor in Houston. We can't, we try and we do because we can't, we try to fix it. We can't fix it. But we know the one who can fix it. We know the one who can change it. We know the one who can transform it and make it new. But you're going to have to trust in him. You got to give it to him and then you got to sit back and let him do. That one thing this year, do this. And all the decisions you make will come out of this because it'll be a God decision, not a good decision. One thing that he told Moses in Exodus chapter 33, Moses said, unless your presence go with me, man, I am not going. Moses had a great idea. He had a great relationship with God. He was telling him things. He says, you know, Moses, because of your prayer, I'm going to go with you. This is one thing he, he said that I missed. I'm going to give you rest. Decision you make, I'm going to give you rest. Because your rest is all about the confidence you have in me. So whenever you do something, you don't have to worry about it working. Now you try to work it. But when he works it, you can have rest and assurance that he's going to do it. And wherever you are this morning, don't let your heart block you or your issues block you from hearing God. Because when you sing to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he is victorious. Everyone lift your hands. I'm going to make it uncomfortable for you. If you're a guest, you don't have to worry about doing that. I just sense today, Father, I ask right now that some folks just need a refreshing. Just by your water of your word, by your spirit, bring refreshment. Like on a, on a, a hot day, and we've been running, we've been running, we've been running, our throats are dry. Now, spirit is dry. I pray right now the water of your presence that never runs out will flow. Will flow. Will flow. Will flow. Wherever you they are, flow peace. Flow healing. Flow confidence. Flow your love. Flow, God. Restore. 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 Restore the joy of our salvation. We know we lost jobs. We know we had blow-ups. We know we had schisms with one another. I pray right now by your word you restore. That's what the enemy is coming to do. Restore. Back to the way it ought to be. Fill our hearts, God, as your word says. We're ever filled with the Holy Spirit. We ask right now to refill us. Everyone say, refill me, God. Refill me, Lord. It's been a long days. Father, I thank you that we wouldn't have got there without you being inside of us.
Jesus' name. Let's worship as we close.